We'll continue with reading from Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, and we're at um, verse uh, 19. I'll reread verse 19. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. And Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. From wisdom and, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me before the king, and I will tell the king the interpretation. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said thus to him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah who will make known the, to the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to the king. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be the latter days, your dream, and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. As for you, O king, thoughts came to your mind while on your bed about what would come to pass after this, and he who reveals secrets has made known to you what, it, what will be. But as for me, this secret has not been revealed to me because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but for our sakes, who made known the interpretation to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your heart. And we'll just read that far. Obviously, next Lord's Day, we'll uh, look at that dream and its specificity. Um, but for today, we would like to just break there. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, in Daniel chapter 1, we saw that Daniel was living in very challenging circumstances and times in Babylon. And indeed, as that challenging environment, yet God had blessed Daniel and his faithful friends with great knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And in addition to that, Daniel had been given uh, understanding and dreams and visions and, and a long career in the courts of Babylon. Indeed, there is a God in heaven despite the circumstances. And he is in sovereign control of all things. There's an old uh, Chinese saying that goes like this. May you live in interesting times. And sometimes you might wonder if interesting times are really a blessing or a curse. Because on one hand, as we might think about living in interesting times, we also recognize that interesting times usually come with great challenges and great difficulties and sometimes great pain and suffering. 
And this was Daniel's calling as he lived definitely in interesting times in Babylon. That doesn't mean every day was interesting and full of all kinds of challenging circumstances for Daniel. Yet, at the same time, Daniel was challenged daily as he lived in Babylon in a secular environment with all of the challenges of balancing the demands between serving uh, faithfully to King Nebuchadnezzar, but also to his Lord. And we also recognize that there are many times of stress and trial, interesting times, not only for Daniel, but for all of us. And we live in such times even today. And many times even periods of our life are marked by, by challenges and trials. And, and, and what we need to pray for, even as, as is evident here in Daniel 2, is that our friends and our neighbors and our community would know the difference of being a Christian and what difference that makes in our lives. And that, that, that becomes so evident, doesn't it? When God afflicts us with various afflictions in our life, we recognize, don't we, the, the, the reality of trying to stand, stand firm and, and to be able to be that Christian witness wherever we are. If we are always just graced and blessed with the great prosperity and, and all kinds of luxuries, then the world sees us and it doesn't see anything different about us. But when we are afflicted and tried and tested, that's when the world sees, indeed, a Christian ought to be different. And these challenges uh, for Daniel uh, directed him to his God in heaven. And several times in this chapter, at least five different times, Daniel is saying, there is a God in heaven. And he acknowledges him, he praises him, and he confesses him again and again in this chapter. That really is the theme of this chapter. There is a God in heaven. I'd like to look at that with, with three thoughts. This God in heaven, first of all, gives unsettling dreams. And secondly, he gives merciful visions. And thirdly, he gives a faithful witness. There is a God in heaven who gives unsettling dreams. In chapter 2, now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Now, first of all, we recognize that the time frame, if you remember in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel was in his courts for, for what they called three years, uh, studying in basically the, the college in, in Babylon. And so, so very likely that would have been three calendar years. It could have been yet at the end of Nebuchadnezzar's second reign, probably near the end of Daniel's studies possibly, or maybe they had just graduated already from the Babylonian college. And, and here Nebuchadnezzar is wrestling with these unsettling dreams or nightmares, you might even say. What's interesting is how God is giving him and revealing his glorious purpose. The God of heaven is revealing his glorious purpose through a pagan king and his dream. And we recognize, don't we, in Hebrews chapter 1, that God in various times and times past spoke to the fathers by the prophets, and yet in these days he speaks through his son. In those days, in other words, God did speak through dreams and visions. And 
Here he comes to this pagan king with a, a nightmare, as it were, a dream that shakes him, that shakes, shakes him in his boots. He's, he's troubled. And we go on in verse 1, and he had these dreams, and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. He, he couldn't sleep, and he was anxious. I've had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to know the dream. Well, why was this so unsettling for Nebuchadnezzar? Well, it was so unsettling because he recognized this to be divine revelation. He didn't know who it was from. He didn't recognize it. But, but it was definitely something that, that he saw as divine revelation and had to do with him and his kingdom. And it, it, it shook him in his, in his confidence. He couldn't sleep. He's anxious. He recognized that, that there's something going on through these dreams. And so he calls those who he thinks has divine wisdom, he calls his magicians, his astrologers, the sorcerers, and the soothsayers of the Chaldeans. He wants to know the dream and its interpretation. And a question comes up uh, from, from everyone almost as, did, did not Nebuchadnezzar not know what the dream was? It, it's possible. It's also possible that Nebuchadnezzar could remember the dream. And he's so insecure and so unsettled by these dreams, he doesn't even trust his, his local cabinet, his, his, his people who are closest to him to advise. And so he wants to know that they wouldn't maybe try to just tell him something he might like to hear, but rather he wants to, he wants to know indeed that they have insight into what this dream is and that would prove their interpretation was accurate. And from all of these reactions, whether it's Nebuchadnezzar or all the magicians and the astrologers, you see these reactions to these nightmares are really reactions of those who have no hope in this world. We find, first of all, the reaction of insecurity. Insecurity. As his spirit is troubled within him, his sleep leaves him, as he's anxious to know it's, it's like he's having this nightmare, like a child would, would, would have a nightmare in the evening and, and, and come and run into mom and dad's bedroom and, and they're coming to tell them to dream and, 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 and seek comfort in the arms of mom or dad. And here Nebuchadnezzar is, is, is like that child, despite all his power and position as the king of Babylon, his, his heart is faint. He's like, having, he's like that child having that nightmare or a child trying to find its way home in the midst of the darkness, groping for divine truth, groping for divine guidance. He has no peace. He's insecure. Wasn't even secure enough maybe even to give hints uh, to people, his advisors that were closest to him, but demands that these magicians and astrologers and sorcerers would tell him the content. And the Chaldeans, we, we read, they, they come to him and they say, you know, king, live forever, but you need to tell us the dream and, and then we will give the interpretation. And, and despite all of their pleadings for, for, them to, for him to tell the dream, the king replies, I know for certain that you would gain time because you, you see that my decision is firm. If you do not make the dream known to me, there will be one decree for you. 
For you have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and its interpretation. Well, he's so insecure. And it leaves, leaves us to think about us in our day. All of the fears and the reactions of the whole world around us. But also even sometimes ourselves to difficult circumstances. We might not necessarily have a dream at night or a nightmare that, that would overwhelm us and unsettle us. But all the providences in life that God calls us and stops us in. Even COVID-19, you might say, or the lockdowns, or, the, or all the challenges that come along with it throughout this world. It's, it's a lot of it. All the fears and the many reactions to it are based on insecurity. Whether on one hand, all the fear of it is, is insecurity in life and in dating. And it produces within people hostile reactions toward others. And, and, and this is deep. And it produces within people hostile reactions toward others. And, and, and this, is, this is no different than the insecurity that, that Nebuchadnezzar had. And Nebuchadnezzar also retaliated in hostile reactions through intimidation. This decision that was a decree from him was firm and, and he basically intimidates them by saying, if you don't tell me the dream, if you don't tell me the interpretation, I'm going to cut you into pieces and your houses will be made an ash heap. That's intimidation. He also recognized that, that he promises to bless those who, who would be able to tell him this dream with lots of prosperity and riches and gifts and rewards and great honor, he says. He's a bully. He's an intimidating bully because he's so insecure. And so it produces this intimidation in him. Rather than compelling them and drawing them in love and encouragement, he, he only intimidates them like a, like a tyrannical gang leader going around the neighborhood and saying to businesses, if you don't do this and you don't do that, and then, then we aren't going to protect you and your business is going to be devastated. It's like that, a, a bully. We also find that and he expects really the impossible from man. And, and the Chaldeans answer him that says, there's not a man on earth who, who could tell the king's matter. This is unreasonable. There's no one ever before who have ever expected this kind of thing from a king. You can't expect a magician, astrologer, or Chaldean to be able to tell you what a dream is. Only the gods can do that. And those gods that we serve, said the Chaldeans and the magicians and the astrologers, do not deal with man. We are men, not God. It's impossible for man to tell the dream or its interpretation without God. It's just like Elijah when he went up to Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal and says, let's, let's test who God is. Let's test if the God of, of Elijah, if the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is God, then, then he will answer and receive these sacrifices. But if Baal is God, the, 
Baal will answer you as prophets. And, and so they call upon the name of the Lord. And, and it's impossible. The, the Baal worshippers are screaming and hollering and cutting themselves. All of their enthusiasm and zeal and worship was not enough to awaken Baal. Because Baal is not God. He's not personal. But the God of heaven. He answers prayer and licked up the sacrifice with fire and the water in the trenches around it. And this God will do what is impossible from man's side. There is a God in heaven who makes things possible. The, 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 the magicians and the astrologers, they recognized that this was impossible from their side. And it produced an anger in in Nebuchadnezzar, he was furious. And so, so angry and furious, we read in verse 12, that he gave a command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went out, and they began killing the wise men, and they sought Daniel and his companions also to kill them. The reality for King Nebuchadnezzar is this, even as Augustine said once, he says, the reality is that the human soul is restless, until it finds its rest in God. And so as Nebuchadnezzar was groping in the darkness, groping in his nightmares, seeking, seeking the truth of this dream, and seeking the interpretation of this nightmare, he couldn't find the truth because he was looking in all the wrong places. He wasn't looking to the God who is in heaven. Now this God doesn't only give nightmares, but the God of Daniel, the God who is in heaven, also gives merciful visions, as we see in our second point. There is a God in heaven who gives merciful visions. Verse 14, we read, Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel answered Arioth, the captain of the king's guards, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon, and asked, Why is this so urgent that the king would would want this decree. Well, we recognize that Daniel is, is, is involved here. His head is at stake, and his companions' heads are at stake. It's a life and death situation. And so, if you're Daniel, where would you go? Would you go to your own knowledge? Would you go to your own wisdom? Or would you go to the Lord, the God in heaven, and so Daniel, of course, he went in and asked the king, I need some time, and I will tell you the interpretation. So Daniel went to his house, and he made the decision known to his companions, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and that they might seek the mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. He trusted in that God in heaven, his God in heaven, to give him this secret of the dream and its interpretation. And we find in verse 19, then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. You see, it's God who dwells with man. And he reveals his will for us in life and to us in life. Nebuchadnezzar, you need to know that there's a God in heaven. And he will reveal this vision through a merciful vision to us. And Nebuchadnezzar did learn that through this account. And Nebuchadnezzar continued to learn this. We find that in Daniel chapter 4 as well. When he brings Belteshazzar, Daniel, uh, in verse 9, the chief of the magicians, 
he he brings him and he says, Dan, uh, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. So another time he has a dream, he calls who? He calls on Daniel because he knows that his God dwells with him and reveals himself to him. None of the other magicians or astrologers could do so. But it's God, the God in heaven, who gives these blessed, merciful visions. And Daniel blessed the God in heaven for it. And he blessed him in verses 20 through through 23. He blessed him as the eternal one. He said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. The one who was before Daniel, the one who was with Daniel, and the one who will be after Daniel. The one who was before creation from eternity to eternity future. He is the only God who reigns over all eternally. He's different from all the countless gods of this world. He is the only one who endures, and His word endures forever and ever. Let alone is He eternal. In His eternal character and and attribute, He's also infinitely wise. He, He goes on to say, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. He's all-knowing. His wisdom is unsearchable. He's eternally wise. He's infinitely wise. Men might know some things. Men might gain some knowledge. They might be able to apply it with understanding and wisdom in certain ways. But God, who is in heaven, He is the one who is full of knowledge, full of wisdom. He is the one who is even merciful enough to share His wisdom to all those who ask for it. Notice he says in verse 21, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have, under, to have understanding. As he reveals these things to them, he is the light to the world in the darkness in verse 22. He knows what is the darkness and light dwells with him. He is the all-wise, all-knowing God. And not only is he all wise and all knowing, he is he's everywhere present. He, or he's he's almighty. He's almighty. King Nebuchadnezzar, he might have been mighty in the eyes of men. Men might have feared for their life when he made a decree that, that he was going to cut off their heads if they didn't tell him the dream. But God is almighty. He is all powerful. The gods of the Chaldeans have no strength, but God in heaven is almighty. And that gave Daniel confidence. That ought to also give us confidence. It ought to give us confidence in our eternal, wise, all-powerful God as He displays that in His Word and in our lives. We We should have confidence in Him today. We ought not to be having nightmares and dreams and being unsettled by all the challenges of this world. No, we can trust in His sovereign rule, His perfect rule over all things. Notice that with me. Not only is He eternally wise and mighty, but He's sovereign. Um, Verse 21, And He changes the times and the seasons. 
He's in control of the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He is the one who is in sovereign control in unsettling times. He's in sovereign control in interesting times. He is the God who is in control. And he is not only in control over everything, but he also cares for us personally and relationally as we go through all of the challenges in life. He doesn't leave us hopelessly groping in the darkness of despair. No, he comes. He comes to dwell with us, to give us wisdom, to give us knowledge, to give us understanding, to give us light. Because he is merciful. He is merciful. These are merciful visions. Daniel didn't deserve them any more than you or I. Daniel didn't deserve them any more than Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel didn't deserve them any more than the astrologers and the magicians and the Chaldeans. But Daniel received them because God is merciful. He is gracious. He is faithful to his promises. His purposes are sure. And he will protect his people even in Babylon. He will protect his remnant in Babylon through his purpose. The idolatrous astrologers and the magicians and the soothsayers even benefit from this mercy of God. As we find there, Daniel even interceding for them and saying, don't, don't kill them all, but, but hold on and wait. I will tell you the interpretation. He's merciful even to Nebuchadnezzar to reveal to him that indeed his kingdom, God's kingdom, will endure forever. There is a God in heaven. He's eternal, he's wise, he's almighty, he's sovereign, and he's merciful. Is this your God? He doesn't just give nightmares and unsettling thoughts in difficult circumstances. He also gives merciful visions. And today he gives them through his word and through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to, before I apply that any farther, I want to see how God does reveal these things. And I want to back up and look at the faithful witness in our third point that the God of heaven raises up, and that is Daniel. In verse 14 already, we read how Daniel becomes this faithful witness as the counsel and wisdom of Daniel uh, answers Arioch, the one who is coming for his head. There's counsel and wisdom in Daniel. He's, he becomes this faithful witness. And in this, as being this faithful witness, first of all, we see that, that th- those words there, with counsel and wisdom. Dan- Daniel has, has received a very practical wisdom, in other words. Um, the Hebrew here really could also refer to, to he had spiritual taste. He had spiritual taste. That counsel and wisdom that Daniel answered Ariok, he had a, 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 a spiritual flavor about him as he answered the king. Um, this, this was really evident in his behavior as he, as he humbly and respectfully engaged with Ariok with a very discerning spirit. And, and this kind of characteristic of Daniel, this practical wisdom that he had, 
uh, meant that he was immersed in God's word and filled with his spirit. And he had this, from that knowledge and from that understanding, he had this spiritual gut feeling as to having instincts and judgment and discernment as he, as he dialogued with, with this, um, this general who's going to take his head off. And, and in his practical wisdom, he doesn't just reply and, 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 and get frustrated and say, this isn't fair, this isn't right. No, he asks for some time. He says, I don't have all the answers right now, but I, I, I ask you for just a little time. And he goes into the king and asks for time. The astrologers, the magicians did that too. But, but, but they just wanted time to, to come up with this themselves. Daniel wanted to take it to his God in heaven who was going to answer. And so the king granted him his request because he wasn't just going to formulate something in his own mind for his own advantage. And so he asked for time. And we also need to recognize that many times that, that we also uh, need this practical wisdom. Yes, we might have this gut feeling, this spiritual discernment and taste, but, but sometimes we answer far too quickly. And, and many times, even when we don't have the answers, it's not wrong to say, I'm wrestling through this. Let's wrestle through it together in the Word of God, seeking His wisdom, seeking His counsel. And that's what Daniel did. He asked for that time, and then he gets that time, and he goes and shares this with his companions. And as they share it together, and what do they do? Well, they, they take it to the Lord in prayer. There's a special season of prayer that they engage in. And, and I look at all of this, this practical wisdom that, that Daniel receives here, a, a proper spiritual flavor, a taste, the humble, respectful, discerning spirit as he asks for time and engages also with others, even those who he trusted, his, his companions, and, and they take this special season of prayer. How we also, as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ, as a denomination within Canada and without North America, ought to also have this special season of prayer, even this Saturday. I would encourage all of you to, to unite as a denomination in, in a special season of prayer, praying for our churches, praying for faithfulness, praying for those who are impacted by this pandemic and so on. We need to have this special season of prayer, just like, just like Daniel did with his friends. But this prayer, this prayer, it's not only practical wisdom, but this prayer is, is, is dependent completely upon God. This prayer is dependent upon his relationship with God. You can read later in Daniel chapter 6 about, about how Daniel had this special relationship with God and three times a day he prayed to his God. And um, this, this prayer was really the secret to Daniel receiving this night vision. He, he prayed for the mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret. He prayed in a certain sense that that God would show him this. Yes, for his own preservation of his life, but especially for the preservation of all around him. Astrologers, the magicians, even Nebuchadnezzar himself, and especially for the remnant of God's people in Babylon. 
In other words, Daniel's praying, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done so that your name would be glorified in all things. And so Daniel is praying. And we don't have the words of his prayer or, or any of his companions' prayers, unfortunately. I'd love to read them. Uh, I would love to, love to even pray them back to God, even in these times. But it does teach us a lot about prayer, even from Daniel's, Daniel's account here. We recognize that it was a very Christ-like prayer. A prayer seeking the glory of God and, and a prayer that was completely devoted to God. A prayer that was spirit-filled in the spirit. And we need men and women, boys and girls, in that spirit of prayer today. We don't need more pomp. We don't need more uh, noise or triumphalism. We, what we need is we need humble prayer. We need prayer that, that, that has God's Spirit in each one of us, calling upon Him, groaning to Him when we don't even know what to pray. We need Spirit-filled prayer. We need Christians who know God's eye is upon them, who understand God cares for them, who understands that God is almighty and sovereign and whose spirit is within them, motivating them to pray in dependence upon God. And finally, we find that Daniel was raised up as a faithful witness, not only in practical wisdom and and, and prayer, but also in, in way of praising God. We found that in verse 20 through 23 already. We saw how da- Daniel praises his eternal, all-wise, almighty, sovereign, merciful God for revealing this dream to him. But we also find him praising God in communicating that to the king and to all those who were around. In Daniel 20, uh, 2, verse 24 through 30, as Daniel comes again before uh, the, the guard, he comes and he speaks with great grace and boldness. He, 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 he speaks with confidence in God. And, and, and he's not afraid of, uh, of the king. He recognizes all humans are, are, are nothing, but, but it's God who, who has revealed this dream. He doesn't take credit for uh, his great wisdom in interpreting the dream or knowing about the dream. Oh, Daniel. Daniel recognizes there's a God in heaven who revealed these secrets. And he tells the king that. He tells everyone around them. It, the credit goes to God. The credit goes to God. And as he dialogues with them, he, he continues to remind them that there's a God in heaven. He is the one who give you, Nebuchadnezzar, to know the thoughts of your heart. He is the one who reveals secrets. And Daniel was not afraid to stand before man. He was not afraid to stand before the kings. He was not afraid to stand before the magicians and the astrologers and all all those who worshipped other gods and declare that there is one God, one God who knows and who lives and who reigns forever and personally cares for us in our most difficult circumstances. Daniel was a faithful witness. But he points us 
to an even more faithful witness. He points us to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who stood before Pilate, the one who stood before the leaders of his day and proclaimed that he is the I am that I am, the one who was before Abraham, the one who has come to dwell in the flesh, and the one who will live forever. The one who has come to reveal the very will of God for us in life. The one who has come to die for sinners, to come and do the will of God. And the one who is raised to now sit on his throne in an eternal kingdom. And he comes to his people in distress, even John's on the island of Patmos. He comes to them and says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the one who has the power over the grave, the power over death. I am the one who has all things in my hand. And you can come to me. And I am a present help in times of trouble. Oh, dear congregation, come to me in your nightmares. Come to me when you're shaking in your boots. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me in your nightmares. Come to me when you're shaking in your boots. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, you who are insecure. Come to me, who, you who do not know where to go any longer, and I will give you rest. And you can take my yoke upon you. You can learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There is a God in heaven. He who is in heaven is a faithful witness to give us security when we don't have any security left. He comes and he draws us by his love and his care for us rather than intimidation. He comes and does what's impossible from man's side. He makes it possible through his son, the faithful witness. He comes to us in our difficult, in our trying, in our interesting times. May it be said of us, as we be a light in this world, it is, there is a God in heaven who reveals his purpose and his secrets even during such times as this. There's hope in this God in heaven. Will you come to him and bow before him and find salvation in him even today? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give thanks for your word which is the power of God unto everlasting life, for you are a God in heaven. And we ask, O Lord, that you would be mindful of us now as we conclude our service and go again to our homes, that you would, that you would give us that great confidence, that security, that we would know that you are with us, that your compassions, they fail not, and to those who are going through difficult times even in this day and don't know where to turn, filled with anxieties and fears, insecure maybe in themselves and rightfully so, may they know that God in heaven, the one, the one who truly cares for us and whose purposes stand for all eternity. For it is in his name and, your, and for his sake and glory alone that we pray. Amen.